Well, as we continue in our series, The Priorities of Jesus, in fact, as we come to the very end of our series in The Priorities of Jesus, it would be so helpful to have a Bible open, so Matthew chapter 28, or if you've got a Bible app, Matthew chapter 28. And there's an outline on the back of the news, so if you want to follow along, you might find those points helpful there as well. But let's pray and ask for God's help as we come to God's Word. Gracious God, we thank you so much that we can come to you, that we can ask for help, that we can know not just about you, but know you. And so please be at work today in the power of your spirit, through your word, bending, shaping, forming our hearts, our minds, our wills, our all, that our priorities might really come into line with yours. And so we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. What will be your best and your first for Jesus in 2022? That's what we've been considering this January. How do we intentionally shape our priorities this year so that they are brought into line with the priorities of Jesus? His call to follow him as a disciple, his cross in the laying down of our lives, his commandment to comprehensively love God and love neighbour, but also his commission that we, every single one of us, individually and collectively, are a sent people. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptising them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. These, of course, are some of Jesus' final words, his last words recorded in the Gospels, so you know that they really must be important. And in fact, we don't just call it the commission, we call it the Great Commission. So this is the one. This is the shaping purpose for the disciples, but actually for every disciple of Jesus. But sometimes, even though we can be, of course, really quick to acknowledge, yes, this is our defining purpose, this is really important, we can actually be in real danger of the Great Commission becoming the Great Omission, because it can seem too hard, inconvenient, just for professional missionaries, or just actually not really even on our radar. Sounds great in theory, not so great in practice. At the beginning of the year, each year, I don't know about you, but you might crack open a new diary or a calendar on the wall, or maybe it's the the blank calendar on your computer, and that might really excite you, as excites me, as I look at that blank space and think about all the untapped potential for the year ahead. Now, as we do that, our, our first thought might not be, how can the Great Commission shape my year. And in fact, that's what should be written across right at the top of every calendar, every diary. When we hear the Great Commission, we can kind of think, or even say, got it, Jesus, but then we can carry on with whatever we were doing before. One New Year's Eve, many years ago, Patrice and I were invited to celebrate that night with some friends and all of the cousins in Rome. We didn't jet off to Rome just for New Year's Eve, just in case you have a really misguided understanding of our lifestyle, but we were already in Italy and they invited to join us for this New Year's celebration. 
All of the cousins, the auntie and uncle, had very kindly opened up the apartment right in the centre of the city. They'd opened it up for all the nieces and nephews. They had helped prepare the meal with them. They had given instructions on how everything worked in the house. They'd even provided some wine from the vineyard that they had made. But as the uncle and auntie were leaving, they weren't staying for the party, they said one final thing. There was just one final instruction to all the nieces and nephews. Whatever you do, no fireworks, okay. That was the one final instruction. The previous year, some of these grown-up nieces and nephews, some of these grown-up kids, they had let fireworks off from the balcony of the uncle and auntie's apartment, only to watch them rocket up into the sky and then turn around like a boomerang, come all the way back to the balcony, colliding with the wooden furniture and setting it ablaze. So, you know, there was good cause. No fireworks. Everyone dutifully nodded at this last instruction, but with no real intention to obey because there was a room jam-packed with full of fireworks just down the hallway. We can't be like that with Jesus. His commission should shape our lives, not just in theory. Jesus has uh, spent three years with the disciples. He's been preparing them for this moment. This is the launch moment. They've witnessed his death. They've encountered him resurrected. They've gone to the mountain where he told them to go. And now they're waiting with, for what is going to happen next. They must have been completely baffled, yet so excited to have their Lord back. They're wondering what will happen next. Only to be told, I'm going, you're staying, and you have a job to do. So let's look at that. The Great Commission. Jesus sends us with authority, purpose, and power. So first, Jesus sends us with authority. We are sent by Jesus. Verse 16. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples. So straight away, it's imperative to note that the reason why we go and make disciples is not because we think it's a good idea, not because it complements our life's ethos or because it made it to our bucket list for the year, not because we think we're capable or qualified, We go because of Jesus' extraordinary authority. So note that connection. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So that means there's no authority left off Jesus' table. It's exhaustive and comprehensive. There's none greater. Therefore, go and make disciples. So his authority is the basis for our going. That's what the therefore is there. It connects those two things. The word used for authority here means at least two things in combination. It means that Jesus both has the right to do something, but also the power 
Sometimes we can find ourselves with the right to do something, but utterly powerless. Other times we can find ourselves empowered, but with no right to exercise that power. But Jesus, speaking by his own name, has all the rights and power. When he says on heaven and on earth, that means that there is, there is no dominion not under the jurisdiction of his authority. Some people are a bit worried that if it says on earth and heaven, does that mean Mars is off limits or something like that? There is, there is no domain that is not under his jurisdiction. His authority is completely comprehensive across all space and all time. It's everlasting. It's really mind-boggling and so difficult for us to even begin to fathom. NASA, you may have seen, just recently launched the James Webb Telescope, which will look into deep space. It's seeking to study the origins of the universe. Well, no matter how far we gaze, wherever we look, it's all under the authority of Jesus. But to make closer to home, jump onto an electron microscope. Don't jump on the electron microscope. You'll probably really lose some friends over that. But look through an electron microscope, peering to observe the smallest objects we can, and we can only see down to subatomic particle level, about a millionth of the mass of electron. That's all under the authority of the risen Jesus too. Now, that should give us both cause and confidence to take what he says seriously. I mean, when you think about that, it would be just nonsense to hear the commission and to dismiss him saying, hmm, well, that's a really interesting idea, Jesus. You know, I like it. It's got a good vibe. And look, I know all authority on earth has been given to you, and that's pretty comprehensive. But look, it could just do with a few tweaks. So I might just cherry-pick the bits that I think are good, and I might just take and leave it as I like or as convenient to me. If I was working for a company and the CEO came down to my office and said, Adam, I, I really think you need to, or I really want you to prioritise this project right now, it's urgent, I couldn't just sort of look at them puzzled and dismiss it and say, well, I'll take that on board, but I'll just choose, thank you very much, what project I want to work on. Now, I have no right to dismiss a boss who has limited power, so what right would I have to dismiss Jesus who has unlimited power? One of the shaping narratives of our culture, one of the grand narratives of our culture, is that our purpose comes from within. That, that we need to search within to both shape and power our life's purpose. But the view of Jesus is, is completely different. The view of Jesus is that the, the overarching purpose of our lives doesn't work, doesn't emanate from the inside out, but comes from the outside, from Jesus, in. Not that it means that everything we do is different from the moment we follow Jesus, but that 
everything we do will be shaped differently to be orientated towards his mission. That all we do, all that we desire, all that we prioritise, that we would hold it up against Jesus' commission. The amazing thing is that as we respond to his sending, we are caught up, we are bound up in a purpose that is far greater than ourselves. We're enjoined in the very same mission that the disciples on that day stood on the precipice of being launched into the world. We're enjoined to that very same mission and continuity, a mission that would change the world. You know, there are so many books that you can get with all the greatest speeches of all time, but these 51 words are some of the most influential words ever uttered that have gone on to shape the purpose of billions of lives ever since. That's what we're part of when you follow Jesus. Yet incredibly, we need not be overwhelmed by the scope of the task set before us, because it's logical that if he has all authority in heaven and earth, it means that he has all the power to make it happen. It's such good news that the scope of the mission isn't constrained to our capacity. It's not like a leader who might have a really brilliant idea, but they think, well, there's no way they're going to pull that off. No, the scope of the, the, the mission can, can be filled continually to the unlimited capacity of the one who has it all. The universal mission of the church to make all disciples of all nations is based on the universal authority of Jesus alone. So not on the base of my rights and my power, but on the base of Jesus' rights and power. That's that which he joins us in the greatest endeavour the world will ever know. So we are sent by the authority of the one who is resplendent in risen glory, who also delegates authority to his followers as they go. Second, Jesus sends us with purpose. We are sent for Jesus. So verse 19. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. There is a lot happening in this verse and a half. There's actually three actions. So go, baptize, and teaching. But the prominent active word is to make disciples. So make disciples means for people to become learners of Jesus, that they would be passionate followers of Jesus. So this is more than just announcing the good news, even though that, of course, is necessary but an active and outward intention shaping all of our activity in order that people would not only become passionate followers of Jesus, that is, that people would be converted, put their trust in Jesus and be baptised in obedience to Jesus' command, but also that they would continue from that moment to be learners of Jesus across their lifetime. So that's why our our mission here at St. Bart's is to make and mature disciples of Jesus. It it reflects both aspects of the Great Commission. Both are in obedience to that commission. When you hear the word learner, now I don't want you to think of our modern context in which you might train at university or something like that in order to qualify for a profession. 
So in that context, full-time training usually equates to a 40 credit point load, which supposedly translates to 40 hours per week. You know, for some people, 40 credit points will be a lot more than 40 hours, and for some people, it might be a lot less. That's roughly what it means. That's not what it was like in the ancient world. In the ancient world, to be a disciple, to be a learner, didn't mean attending a few lectures when the teacher was down in the synagogue, but actually going and living with the master, growing in relationship, observing their life, and living in obedience to them. And so if you're a disciple of Jesus, we're called not simply to learn about Jesus with a portion of our time or a pocket of our lives, but that our whole lives would be directed to him and his cause, which of course is completely logical in response to his extraordinary authority. That our relationship with Jesus and the way of Jesus would infiltrate every aspect of our our lives, our rest, our work, our identity. So we long not for people just to learn a little bit more about Jesus, but that people would come to know Jesus, follow him, and make disciples too. If Jesus said, teach them to obey everything I have commanded you, then that must also include the commandment of the Great Commission. Every disciple is a disciple-making disciple who goes. When Jesus says to all nations, now there's no doubt that the first disciples were dispatched all over the place, but don't miss what is happening on on a much grander scale of God's activity in the world, because it's really radical that instead of a central pull drawing people to Jerusalem, Jesus' commission spins us outward, so a centrifugal force outward to every corner of the world in order to meet every person. That means there's no waiting for people to come to us, but we are sent as ambassadors for Christ. So no one is off limits. This is good news for every single inhabitant of the earth. So your boss, if you have a boss, this is good news for them. Your colleague, even the colleague who might annoy you a bit, guess what? This is good news for them. The person who serves you at the supermarket, this is good news for them. The barista who makes you coffee, good news for them. The people on the Zoom call with you this week, good news for them. The person at the gym who never wipes down the machine, good news for them. Your neighbour and those in your local community, good news for them. Your kids or your housemates or grandchildren, whoever, this is good news for them. You're sent to them. This is not some sort of you know, cosmic uh, pyramid scheme in order to co-opt new members to support those who've gone before. It's in order so that all people will be enjoined to Christ and part of his everlasting kingdom. So missionaries are not only those who go to other places, even though there are some here who have and many who will, but that wherever we go, every day of the week, if you are a follower of Jesus, then you are a missionary. Every disciple is a disciple-making disciple.
as Rick Hill. Rick Hill, the author of a book called Resilient Disciples, puts it. This means that as disciples, our lives take on a purpose that is far deeper than gaining more knowledge about God, bigger than turning up on a Sunday, and wider than filling a roster in church. As we go about our lives, every moment is sacred, every conversation is holy, every job has significance, every day is an opportunity, and every disciple is a missionary. Whenever I'm driving around Toowoomba or cycling around Toowoomba, I, or thinking about the places from which people join us online, I'm always so excited to think about where God has scattered his people. We are the scattered church. We couldn't orchestrate this. We couldn't possibly coordinate this. But God has. So wherever you spend your time each week, that's a front line for Jesus. You've been sent there by the one who has all authority to make disciples. Now, you might be in a setting in which you can't talk to everyone about Jesus. But you can be talking to Jesus about every single one. Just try it this week. Every person you encounter, a very simple prayer. Now, of course, there's no cookie-cutter approach to this, so often we need to improvise. There's, of course, many ways that we work as the scattered and gathered church together here at St. Bart's. As a community, we're active in helping to build each other up for our front lines each week, but also in drawing people to Christ. Those small groups are, are pivotal for accountability and encouragement. Gathered worship is essential to help us build one another up and, and lift our eyes to the Lord's priorities. We can invite people along to Alpha, or if the Centre of Work and Faith is a great place to bring along colleagues. But it all starts with prayerful intention. As we seek to bring our priorities into line with Jesus's this year and pray actively that many disciples will be made, a key challenge that we really want to own as a whole church is that every single person from the, the littlest to the most senior would be praying for three people in their front lines to become passionate followers of Jesus this year. So just think about it. Three people in your circles, on your front lines, whom you just long would become passionate followers of Jesus. Just imagine if only 5% of those who we were praying for became disciples this year, that would actually mean that there would be over 100 new disciples just this year. And if all that seems a bit intimidating, then I have the most amazing news. In fact, it's not my news, it's Jesus' news. That Jesus doesn't just send us with authority and purpose, but power in the form of his presence. We're sent by Jesus, for Jesus, and with Jesus. So let's pick up the second part of verse 20. And surely I am with you to the very end of the age. That is, that point in time when Jesus returns and makes all things complete. When we really take the Great Commission to heart and really let it sink in, it's so easy to be overwhelmed. It's easy to think, I cannot possibly do this. I don't have the capacity to do this. And, of course, the answer is, alone, 
You don't. I don't. We don't. Back in verse 16 and 17, when the disciples, they're all gathered there, and when they saw Jesus, Matthew tells us that when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. It's extraordinary. Even with all that they had experienced and seen, the worship in the group was intermingled with doubt. The disciples. The disciples were dispatched all over the world who were then right at the leading edge of God's mission to the world. They too had some hesitations. But you see what happens? Unsure of their future, Jesus assures them of his presence. We see that promise unfold on the day of Pentecost, that as they received the gift of the Spirit, as every believer has, they were equipped in whatever ways God deemed necessary for the good news of Jesus to go out. I'm with you always to the very end of the age. So wherever you go, tomorrow, or the day after, or the next... Jesus goes with you. Not intermittently, but always. So tomorrow, wherever you're going, have that in your mind right now. Tomorrow, wherever you're going, wherever you rock up on one of your front lines. That might be at home, it could be school, it could be going to work, uni, wherever. The companion by your side, in fact, residing in you in the power of the Spirit is none other than the one who holds all authority in heaven and earth. He has sent you and he is with you. The same Jesus who calmed the storm, healed the sick, forgave people's sins, searched out the lost, fed thousands, conquered sin, rose from the dead, ascended and is enthroned, has sent you by his authority, has given you his purpose, and it's with you every step of the way. Therefore, go and make disciples. Shall we pray? Gracious God, we thank you so much for your extraordinary kindness to us, for the phenomenal ways in which your grace is poured out we especially thank you, Lord, that it's through Jesus, through his death and resurrection, that we can have confidence of relationship, of salvation with you forever. Lord, we thank you that as we put our trust in Jesus, that you have sent us, that you've given us a job to do. Lord, please remind us of your extraordinary authority. Please humble us that we do not go by our own authority in any way, nor by our capacity or our own capabilities, but by your authority. And Lord, may your purpose to make disciples increasingly shape our daily purpose wherever you have sent us. Lord, please remind us of your presence. May we delight that you are with us. Please embolden, empower, sharpen, shape, encourage, challenge us that we might recognise where you've sent us 
and the gospel opportunities before us. Lord, may we please individually and as a whole community be increasingly shaped as disciple-making disciples. And so we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.